Right now, though, we're going to talk about something that is pretty neat. You know, we've talked about dinosaurs before here on the show. Um, and uh, I always like to talk about dinosaurs. They're great fun. Um, we haven't done this, though, and this is really interesting. We're talking about a fossil discovery that reveals a giant new penguin species. Imagine that, a giant penguin. So let's get some details. We're going to chat with Daniel Sepka, who is a paleontologist and curator of science at the Bruce Museum. Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. Great to be here. Now, I've never even contemplated a giant penguin before. Uh, tell us what we're talking about when we say giant penguin. Uh, we're not talking a T-Rex-sized penguin by any stretch of the imagination here, but just exactly what are we talking about? No, we're talking about a, a very large penguin by modern standards. So today, uh, most penguins are a little bit under two feet tall. The ones that you see in zoos are probably African penguins or maybe Adelie penguins. Um, and the biggest is the emperor, and that stands uh, about one meter tall. So this penguin, um, Kairuku Weiweiroa, was uh, 1.4 meters tall, so um, you know about half again as large as the modern emperor, um, and, and very heavy. So penguins are fairly dense creatures, yeah. so this thing may have been approaching 200 pounds or so, so um, pretty big creature. 200-pound penguin. <laughs> that is pretty big. How was it discovered? Where was it discovered? But that's what's really great about this species. There's actually a surprisingly large number of um, fossil penguin species known now, more than the amount of species we have alive today, actually. Um, but this one is unique in that it was found by a group of school children. So um, back in 2006, the um, Hamilton Junior Naturalist Club, which is um, so I guess equivalent to the, I'm based in the United States, so kind of similar to our Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, I'd okay. say. Um, they were on a fossil hunting trip <laughs> and, you know, you want to find some shells or some sure. teeth, but they really, they really hit the jackpot <laughs> on their, on their little trip. And they ended up finding this fossil skeleton eroding, um, out of rocks on the shoreline. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> wildly uh, successful beyond their wildest dreams, I'm sure. Yeah. No kidding. Now, what can we tell from this fossil? Like, do we know when it was walking the earth or, or swimming in the sea or, or what kind of life it led, what life was like at that time? Yeah, we have a pretty good idea of the age. It's, it's roughly between um, 27 and, and 35 million years, so it's quite an ancient creature. Um, yeah. That's about halfway back towards the age of dinosaurs um, from the present, so many, many millions of years before humans walked the earth. Um, and also... Um, it was probably in a quite a different environment. Sea level was higher at the time. Overall temperatures were warmer than they are today. Um, and so this animal would have lived um, at a time that a lot of New Zealand was submerged. And that's why we find the fossil um, and other penguin fossils at many different fossil sites in New Zealand. It was once kind of a shallow marine environment. So you're um, able to find rocks uh, that bear fossils from things like whales and dolphins and sharks and, of course, penguins. Um, and often they're in quite a, interesting settings. People tend to think of us out in the desert or in the Badlands. Yeah. But, um, some of the penguins I've collected in New Zealand, we collected them right next to a sheep pasture. <laughs> uh, so we're basically, uh, you know, um, excavating rocks by a little river, and there's just grass everywhere and constant uh, the entire time. <laughs> Can you tell, like, did it live a pretty much penguin-style life that we would expect, you know, based on what we see in modern-day penguins, or was there something dramatically different? Can you read that kind of a thing in a fossil? We can estimate it, so we can't, uh, you know, we can't obviously stand in the in the field with binoculars yeah, and watch yeah. its every move, but we can look at the shapes of the bones and the environment it lived in and get a pretty good idea, so... 
Um, like modern penguins, it was certainly flightless. The, the bones of the wing were um, very dense and very flattened, and so they would have had um, you know, a flipper-like appearance like modern penguins. Um, also, like modern penguins, the legs were fairly short and stubby, so mm-hmm. it would have probably had a similar waddling um, kind of ungainly gait when it was on land, um, but been equally graceful in the water. One of the big differences, though, besides the size, is that these Kairuku penguins um, had very long kind of almost spear-like beaks, and so uh, we think these big extinct penguins may have been preying on uh, larger animals um, than modern penguins. So rather than going after, you know, sardines or, or krill or something like that, it was probably able to take larger fish or squid. Um, and so it may be a, a step up on the food chain. Interesting. Okay. Now, you know, whenever we talk, not all, not every time, obviously, because like you say, there are professionals like yourself out looking for fossils, but it seems to me quite often it's it's a chance discovery by somebody who's you know a school kid or somebody else go out for a walk or whatever the case may that that lead to these amazing incredible discoveries is it is it pretty common like is it i don't even know if it's amateur paleontology but just sort of layman getting involved is that really a, a big part of what happens when it comes to fossil discovery it's a very important part of um how knowledge gets um advanced in the field so there's Many people who are out there, um, I guess you could call them amateur paleontologists, who are intentionally fossil hunting, yeah. and, and that's the case with this group. They were actually on like a field trip <laughs> to look for fossils. Um, so there's many people who are, you know, not necessarily professors or museum curators or or um, working, you know, in the field day to day, but they do it on the weekends, um, you know, and have a good time with it. And there's also people who just stumble upon things completely by accident, you know, often at construction sites or something like that. Um, so two examples I can think of. Um, there was a giant bird called Pelagornis. Um, it, it's pretty hilarious how it was found that they were actually expanding the Charleston airport. <laughs> and so when they were excavating, um, you know, to make room for new runways and buildings, um, the, the construction equipment basically cut into a layer with the bones of this giant bird. And luckily someone you know, noticed, it noticed it yeah, and stopped the work and called the Charleston Museum and the curator there came out. And I actually got to study that bird a couple of years ago, um, but it could have just as easily been destroyed if someone wasn't paying attention. Um, and then there's places where people are just looking for fossils and they bring things in um, to you know, have them identified. I get uh, lots of fossils brought in every year here at the Bruce Museum, and sometimes you know it's a people think they found the dinosaur egg, and it's you know just a piece of concrete or it's a piece <laughs> of debris. Um, then sometimes it's real, and sometimes people will bring in like you know real shark teeth or bits of bone or um, you know even footprints and things like that. So. Um, it's always worth going down there and taking a look because yeah. you never know what someone's going to bring in the door. Well, I know the Terrell Museum here in our part of the world has a whole section that's dedicated to, like you say, you know, people working in the oil field that come across fossils or doing construction that discover fossils. And, you know, and then there's a crew that comes out and responds and investigates what's there. It sometimes causes a bit of a headache for the businesses trying to do the work, but at the same time, it leads <laughs> to some amazing discoveries. Yeah, I mean, the people who make that call are really doing the right thing. And um, sometimes, you know, you come out there and it's just the, you know, false identification and everything proceeds. But sometimes it's something really spectacular. Yeah. And, and we we truly appreciate the people who take the time to, you know, contact their local museum and have someone take a look before they keep on uh, excavating. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Could be the next great discovery. Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks, Jay. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks so much. That's Daniel Sepka, who is a paleontologist and curator of science at the Bruce Museum.